Hello again, everybody. We're starting a brand new sermon series today called Jesus According to the Gospel of Mark. I was going to have you read the first 13 verses of chapter one, but I'm not. You can do that on your own at home later, not now. I hope you dropped by the church and picked up one of these. If not, you can get one on Tuesday, 11 to noon or five to six. And today we're going to be in pages five, six, seven and eight. Now, the ground rules for this 16 weeks in the sermon series is I've never, well, I've never done a sermon series this long before. You'd think, well, there's 16 chapters in Mark. There's 16 weeks in the sermon. It's easy. One chapter a week. Well, not exactly. Some weeks we'll cover a whole chapter and some weeks we'll cover two or maybe even touch on three chapters. And then there's weeks like today. We're only looking at the first 13 verses. And this summer, you may be thinking, well, okay, when this summer is done, I'm going to know Mark inside and out. I'll be experts on the Gospel of Mark. Sign us up for the Bible Quiz Bowl, Pastor. We're going to be experts. I don't even know if there is a Bible Quiz Bowl. Well, you won't be experts in the, in the Gospel of Mark at the end of summer. And let me just say this. After one summer in the book of Mark, you're not going to be ready for the Quiz Bowl. You're not going to be an expert. Even though we're having like a Zoom class meeting that's on Monday night, that's an awesome thing. Drop in. If you can't be there tomorrow, drop in next week. It'll be awesome. And a bunch of you, you know, you're using your journals. That's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But even with all of those things, uh, the church isn't a, a lecture hall. Well, technically, this is my living room. It's not even the church. And these sermons, if you didn't know already, they're not lectures. A sermon, a, a good sermon, uh, you didn't know you were getting a homiletics class today. Homiletics is the art of preaching or writing a sermon. Some critics of mine said, I think you skipped the homiletics class. I did not. I took the homiletics class. In fact, in one of my homiletics classes, the professor, when I got done preaching, said, I think Rob just told us we were all going to hell, but he made it sound like it was going to be a fun ride. I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that, but I did get an A in the class. Anyway, a, a sermon is not a lecture. We won't be able to cover everything in a 30-minute sermon. Lectures end with you thinking, wow, I, I learned a lot today. My mind is full of information. That's a good lecture. But the goal of a sermon is, is not to say I'm full of information. No, the goal of a good sermon is to say, wow, I'm full of Jesus. And that's my, my goal for you. And, and once you're full of Jesus, maybe the next critical question of a good sermon is, so what? Or what's next? So what? What am I going to do with this gospel of Jesus that was just preached? What are my next steps in becoming a better disciple or maybe becoming a disciple? Maybe your next step is your first step, just following Jesus. When a good sermon is preached, you need to be saying, I am so full of Jesus that I can't stay where I'm at. What's the next move? It's my move. What am I going to do with the good news that I've just been given? Does that make sense? Well, we're going to cover everything in, in, in Mark. We're not going to cover everything in Mark in these next 16 weeks. We're going to skip over some really great stuff because we just won't have time. Like today in Mark 1, verses 10 and 11, a really cool passage, Jesus' baptism. And I know Mark is the second book in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but it was the first gospel written. Now, why is it the second book when it's the first written? I don't know. But Mark 1 through 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11, which we don't have time to cover today, is the first place that the Trinity, although it's not called the Trinity because the word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible, but the first place someone describes the Trinity, Mark 1, 10 and 11. 
Mark is the first guy to talk, talk about it. He wrote this. He saw the heavens being torn open by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. By the way, that phrase, torn open, it's used there in verse 11. You see it there? Well, that's the only place that Mark uses this word uh, like this. He describes it again in the, with the curtain being ripped when Jesus was crucified. Remember that, the curtain in the temple. And it's kind of a Mark word. It's the way he, he talks. He, he uses vivid language, powerful words. The Almighty God is at work. If he were, were writing today, he'd probably it in all caps. The, the heavens were torn open. And the Holy Spirit descended on him, that is, on Jesus, Jesus the Son, like a dove. And a voice from heaven came, you are my Son, God the Father, Jesus is the Son. God the Father speaking, saying, you are my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Father, Son, Spirit. All three in that verse and a half, an awesome passage of the Trinity. Books and books and books have been written on that passage. But guess what? We're just going to skip right over it. That's all you get, what I just gave you. That's all you get. It's a great passage, a really great passage. But we don't have time to dig in deep to it. Here's what we're going to see in the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel is an action-packed. Mark is like a kid telling a story. Have you ever heard a kid excited about what they just did and it's a one long, 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 barely taking a breath type of story? It's like, uh, hey, we went to the pond and it was really, really fun and Joey was there and I got there second and we were fishing and it was really, really fun and we had a lot of fun. Did I already say that? We had a lot of fun and we caught a lot of fish. In fact, I caught the biggest fish and it was great. And, I, and, 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 and that's how Mark is telling the story. You want to use your journal for, for something right now? If you get your journal underlined, in these sentences, these first 13 verses, the sentences that begin with the ver word and. It's verse 5, and the country. Verse 7, and he preached. Verse 10, and he, and he went and he came up out of the water. Verse 11, and a voice came from heaven. Verse 13 has two ands. Uh, and, he, and he went into the wilderness for 40 days, and he was with the wild animals. See what I mean? And, 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 and. In 13 verses, six sentences begin with the word and. Mark is so excited, he can hardly stand it. I'm glad the ESV translators, what this journal is, is written of, that's the translation, the English Standard Version. I'm glad they left those ands in there and they didn't eliminate them for better grammar. I had an English professor tell me, you never, never, never start a sentence with the word and. Well, Mark does it all the time. Mark begins by saying, saying this in verse one, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now we're gonna talk more about that in a minute. But that's where he begins. And then the rest of the chapter, some of which we're going to cover next week, but the rest of the chapter is Jesus getting baptized and being tempted and gathering the disciples and teaching in the synagogue and casting out a demon and healing Peter's mother-in-law and praying and proclaiming and cleansing a dude who had leprosy and then healing some more people and proclaiming some more and gathering a crowd. All that's in chapter one. Are you kidding me? This is a fast-paced gospel. You've got to pay attention. I mean, you've got to, you, you, you've got to always be watching because it's just a quick, 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 quick read action-packed. Most Bible scholars think that Mark is John Mark, who is mentioned in Acts chapter 12. That's a crazy story. When Peter breaks out of prison with the help of an angel, and, and the Bible says that he, Peter, went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, and they were, there were many others gathered there together praying. So John, his Hebrew name, and Mark, his Roman name, had a mama named Mary. And John Mark went with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Well, he started off on the first missionary journey with Paul and Barney, but he didn't get very far into the trip. 
And Mark, like a big fraidy cat, left them, ran home back to Mama Mary, which did not make Paul very happy. So when Mark wanted to, to go on the next trip, the second missionary trip with Paul and Barney, Paul said, no way, no way. He's a mama's boy. He's a quitter. He ain't coming with us. And Barney felt sorry for him. Barnabas means son of conciliation or son of encouragement or son of comfort. So Barney feels sorry for Mark, wants Mark to come, forgive and forget, Paul. And you can read all about it in the book of Acts. It becomes really a big brouhaha. Take Mark, don't take Mark. Acts 15.39 says, there arose such a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas so that they separated from each other. The dynamic duo of the missionary trip, Paul and Barnabas break up. Breaking up is hard to do. Neil Sedaka told us that. So Paul and Silas went one way. Barney and Mark went another way. These two great people of the Bible, Paul and Barnabas, have such a strong disagreement all over this guy, John Mark. Let me take a little tangent here. Sometimes Christians, good Christians, everybody loves Jesus type of Christians, they, they can disagree on how to move forward. What's best? How do we get there? What, what are we going to do when we do get there? And Paul and Barnabas, they didn't agree. You, you know, we at Central Church, we've got an awesome church board, an awesome group of pastors, and we've been thinking and praying through our next steps through this pandemic. How are we going to move forward? What's the best way forward? When will we open up the church? How do we, how do, we do that? Should people wear masks? Should they not wear masks? Uh, what about people who can't wear masks for one reason or another? How much time will we need to clean up the church after the last, you know, germy people slobbering all over the place are in there for one service? Will we pass the offering plates? Will we pass the friendship register? Will we pass the communion trays? Will we pass the peace? No, 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 no. Lots and lots of questions. Everybody wants to get back together again. We all agree on that. We all agree on the why question. Why get back together again? Well, because the Bible says we need to meet together and we need to tell the world about Jesus and we want to grow and learn from each other. And because the church at home and and watching online is okay if you're sick, but it's kind of stinky because we really want to get together and our choir is great and the band is great and our Sunday school teachers are great, great, great. We miss them. We want to see everybody. So we all agree on the why, 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 why get back together. But the question of when and how and even where are yet to be answered. When can we start having services? How will we gather? What will, what will be different? Even where? Well, you'd think that'd be an easy one. Where? Bristol Road, of course, in the sanctuary. Well, well, some of us might have to meet in the peak, depending on the building capacity restrictions and what, what is said. A lot of questions. That's, that's my point. And good Christians who love Jesus, I mean, are crazy in love with Jesus, can disagree with the how and the what and even the where. Look at Paul and Parney. They strongly disagreed about John Mark. But I want you to also notice this at the end of Paul's life. He was going to be executed soon. He knows it. Everybody knows it. The last book, the last letter he writes is 2 Timothy. And his instructions for Timothy in this final letter, he writes, he says, everybody has deserted him except for Luke. Good old Luke. He's kind of like Tonto to the Lone Ranger, Robin to Batman. Luke is there, thick and thin. Luke is there, but everybody else is gone. They didn't want to be seen with the guy on death row, I guess. I don't know. So it's just Paul and Luke, and and he writes to Timothy, and he says, get Mark. Bring him with you, for he is very useful for me in ministry. Get Mark. Get that guy that me and Barney were so strongly disagreeing about. Get that guy. He's the one guy I want to see. He needs, I need him. He's a great guy. 
That tells me we can disagree about some things, but we don't need to be disagreeable. We still need to love Jesus. We're called to love one another. We need to be reconciled. Followers of Jesus, they don't always have to agree, but we always have to love, love one another. How many times does the Bible tell us that? You've got to love one another a lot. So that's a good lesson for these days, isn't it? These strange and curious COVID-19 days. If you would have told me, Rob, there's going to be a national pandemic, I would have thought, okay, okay, it's going to bring our country together, kind of like what happened after 9-11. Remember, briefly after 9-11, we were all on the same team. Everybody was on the same team. It didn't last long, but we were all on the same team. And I would have thought the same thing would have happened with the pandemic, but no. I think this pandemic has exposed how divided we are. Big shocker, right? The old devil wants to divide us and conquer us. He loves it when Christians are fighting. He loves it when he can, can bring confusion. He loves it when Christians bicker about this and that. And they start bickering about the how and the what and the when and the where's. And guess what? Pretty soon we, we forget about the why. And the why we gather is Jesus. So we got to love one another. What should our response be during these strange and curious days? What are we going to tell that old snake when he wants to divide us? Not this time, you old snake. You're not going to get us into your trap. We're wise to your evil ways. We know your schemes. You want us to start hating on one another. You want us to, to start posting nasty stuff on Facebook or calling each other names and not acting like Jesus at all. You want us to, to provoke us into gossiping and wrangling about all this garbage. No, 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 not this time, you old snake. We're trusting in Jesus. He gave us one great commandment. Love God, love people. That's what we're going to do. Listen up. You'll probably get a letter from me this week on Tuesday. Maybe you got it yesterday about the pandemic and our response. And I'm not going to read it to you now. You can read it when you get the letter. But, but, but it, it's all about what our next steps are going to be. And I'll just say this. We need to be flexible. Because it seems that every day something changes in this pandemic. We need to be flexible. And I know not everyone's going to agree with the whens and the whats and the hows and the wheres. And we're going to do our best because we've got to love each other because the why, Jesus, we all, the world needs Jesus. And the bottom line is we can't wait to get back together and start proclaiming that together again. And so just hang with us. All right, back to the Gospel of Mark. John Mark, whose, was, whose mama was Mary, who deserted Paul and Barney, who Paul desperately wanted to then see at the end of his life, John Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark around the year 60 AD. He was writing at the time of huge persecution of the church Christians were being fed to the lions in the Colosseum, and most think Mark was heavily influenced by Peter. Peter was in prison in Rome before his execution. Eusebius, a second century historian, said that Mark was Peter's interpreter. So Peter's preaching, Mark's interpreting, and the Gospel of Mark then was Mark retelling Peter's stories and that, that Peter used in the sermons, and they all kind of had Peter's flair, his vernacular. It's easy to see Peter's style and Mark's style. Mark doesn't beat around the bush. He's an action-packed gospel. Like I told you, he doesn't bother with the genealogies or birth narratives. There's no wise men, shepherds, baby Jesus in Bethlehem. Not in Mark's gospel. No, no, no. He wants action. The Romans, all they cared about was action, and Mark was giving them action. Mark only records four parables of Jesus. Luke and Matthew, they tell a lot of parables. But Mark, again, no, no, no stories. He wants action, action, action. And you see Peter's impulsiveness in Mark's writing 42 times. 42 times. Mark uses the Greek word euthus. Uh, twice in these 13 verses, he uses euthus. Euthus. What's euthus? Immediately. Immediately. He saw the heavens pull apart. Verse 10. 
Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Immediately, verse 12. Action, on the go, throughout this book, we're going to see that, that Jesus does something, then immediately, youth is, he gets on the road, he's go, 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 go. He's a man on a mission. Okay, we need to immediately get back going before this camera turns off and we're in trouble. Mark, on the go, on the run, always Mark. He's, he's the guy that, remember Scott Daniel's sermon? Uh, some think that Mark is the strange and mysterious naked man in Mark 14. Do you remember that passage? Jesus was arrested the night that Judas betrayed him. And Mark writes this, And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, verse 52, And he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Who's that guy? Some think it's Mark, always on the run, always on the go. There in chapter 15, he's streaking. No, I don't know, I don't know. We'll get there in August. Okay, that was all intro. Here we go. Mark 1, verse 1. This is what we need. In the beginning, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Very same word that's used in Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Well, Mark is saying, no, in the beginning, the real beginning is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the beginning of the Bible is God creating. In Mark's book, the real beginning of life, the real story the real good news, and that's what the gospel means right there, by the way. Good news, good news. The real beginning of the good news is Jesus Christ. The original readers would have picked up on that. They would have known that the Old Testament connection in the beginning, God created, and now Mark's saying, in the beginning, Jesus Christ. Mark then goes on in verse 2 and 3 to quote Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Actually, he quotes Isaiah in Malachi. We don't have time to get into that. But the people in the first century would have understood it. He's talking about the prophets. Remember in Jerusalem, every day they had school. Parents who've been teaching your kids in this quarantine, quarantine time, homeschooling, it's about done, it's almost over. Some of you, it is over. And all the parents said, amen. Well, they had school in the first century, only for boys. Sorry, girls, no school for you. And guess what the boys studied every single day? All day, every day, not math, not geometry, the Bible, the Old Testament, to be more exact. They knew it like the, like the back of their hand. They knew it. Oh, come on, Pastor. How, how, how could they know the Old Testament so good? All right, all right, here we go. Pop quiz. All of you parents at home been teaching your kids this last uh, couple of months. You've been having the fun of giving pop quizzes. Now it's my fun. My boys are gone. I can't give pop quizzes. So now you're going to get a pop quiz. Are you ready? Here we go. Quick 10 questions. Let's see how you do. Who said the following? Right? Who said this? That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Who said that? How about this one? It was 20 years ago today. Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play. Who sang that? Or how about this one? I am not a crook. Or what about this one? To be or not to be? That's the question that I ask of thee. Or how about this one? I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will be judged not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. One more. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. How about this one? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Or, or, or this, faster than a speeding bullet, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Who's that all about? Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. One last one. Make America great again. How'd you do? Did you get 10 out of 10? Did you know all those people from pop culture, from Americana? I threw in a little Shakespeare for, and Hamlet for you highbrows in the crowd. A little politics because 
I know you don't get enough of that these days. We know all those quotes. Some of you got 10 out of 10, right? It's our pop culture. Well, the pop culture of first century, the readers to whom Mark was writing, they knew their Old Testament just like you know our culture. So Mark would sprinkle into his account of Jesus plenty of Old Testament passages. And he writes, in the beginning, in the beginning was Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Son of God. You've been waiting for this for centuries. And here he is, very first verse. Mark is saying, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the anointed one. But then what's kind of interesting, throughout the rest of his book, the rest of the gospel, Mark tells how Jesus is trying to keep that message, the message that he's the Messiah, secret. Shh, don't tell anybody. In Mark 8, uh, Jesus asked the disciples, we looked at this passage during the, the Peter's Tale uh, series, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the other prophets. And then he said, but who do you say that I am? And it was Peter, you're the Christ. And we would expect Jesus to say, you know, bing, 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 yahoo, Peter, right answer, boy. But verse 30 says, and he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. The NIV version says, Jesus warned them. I think the new revised standard is probably the best rendering of this Greek word used here. It says, Jesus sternly ordered them. Sternly ordered, yikes, you know, mum's the word, Jesus, we're not telling anybody. Mark seems to want to convey that he wants us, the reader, you and me, to figure out for ourselves as he unfolds the story of Jesus, for us to come to the only conclusion possible. Yeah, Jesus is the Son of God. So he begins with that announcement, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. One of the last things that a human being utters in the gospel is the Roman centurion at the end of chapter 15. That centurion was there at the foot of the cross as Jesus died, heard what Jesus said. And then the centurion declares in Mark 15, 39, truly, this man was the son of God. That's the message Mark wants you to get. He bookends his gospel with saying, Jesus is the son of God. And then the centurion agreeing, yes, Jesus is the son of God. And that's where we're going to be all summer, chapter after chapter, story after story, all summer long. We're looking at Jesus. This is not simply a miracle man. This is not simply a, a good man wrongly accused. No, this is Jesus, the son of God. He's the one who touched the untouchables. He turned his back on the smug, the religious elitists, the Pharisees, those people who talked the talk but didn't walk the walk. Jesus loved the unlovable. He cared for those who, who were overlooked. He went to places no one else would go. And through it all, he never took his eyes off the father. And we hated him for it. He came to us with wide open arms and a gracious invitation, seeking us, patient, forgiving, a holy pursuit. And he brought out the worst in us. Crucify him, crucify him. That's what people said. And we look at him through the lens of Mark, we will see that our righteousness, the best of us, the very best we can do, the very, very best, is nothing but filthy rags in comparison to him. Mark will show us that Jesus invites us into his kingdom, his glorious, wonderful kingdom, and the demands of this kingdom are so high, so, so lofty. We can't get there on our own. We can't earn it. We can't work for it. We, we can't do enough good things. We can't reach heaven on our own efforts. It's impossible because we know deep down, we know every one of us, we know that we are people in desperate need of a savior. People who frantically, urgently need the love of the father. People who want to hear what Jesus heard in Mark 1.11 when he comes up out of the water of baptism and hears the father say, you are my beloved son, 
with you I am well pleased. Don't you want the Father to say that about you? That's, that's what I want you to hear this morning. No matter where you're hearing this sermon, maybe you're in your living room or in your car, maybe you're jogging and listening to this as a podcast, wherever you are, whatever you've done, maybe whatever you haven't done in your life. But if you find yourself broken or alone, or these last five weeks of, of constant, you know, this, this quarantine, and, and, and we've been talking about you're fearful, maybe worried, anxious. Pandemics can bring out the worst in people. It can be exhausting. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about that, by the way. And maybe, maybe you're sitting there. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear the Father. My goal for you for today is that you would hear the Father say to you, you are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. I want you to be so full of Jesus. Some of us listening to this sermon today, we know, we know very well. We don't have to be told. We don't need a preacher or anybody else telling us. We have, we have drifted far, far away from what you would want for us. And that our life has not been pleasing unto you. But the good news of the gospel of Mark and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is it doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. Just come home. That's your message for us. Just come home. And so, Lord... We pray that if there's anyone today hearing this message that has drifted away or gone astray, that they would be welcomed back home, that they would hear the message of John the Baptist and the repentance and the confession of our sins, and we repent for where we've been and what we've done, but Lord, we would just want to be back home. We want to be full of Jesus. We want our lives to, to reflect Jesus. We want everything about us to be Jesus. Lord, let that be us. We want to be yours. As we study through the Gospel of Mark this summer, we want to learn more, grow more, be more like you, Jesus. So be with us today and every day. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us. Come back next week, live streaming at the church, either 9.30 or 11 o'clock. I hope to see you then. We'll see you.